Down south, they say it's the economy, stupid. Up here, we say it's the economy, eh? And this is Political A Economy Radio, a progressive take on economic issues in Canada and beyond. My name is Michał Rozwodski, and welcome to the show. Two updates from Southern Europe this week. First up, Katerina Principe brings us up to date on the situation in Portugal, and then Andreas Karitsis recounts the search for new politics in Greece after and under the rule of Syriza. My first guest, Katerina Principe, is a prominent activist in Portugal's Bloco, or Left Bloc, which is the country's new broad left party. She has been a member since her teenage years and has sat in the governing structures of the party as well. She is also a prolific writer. Most recently, she is editing a collection of essays on the European left, and that's to be published by Haymarket Books in May 2016. Just a couple weeks ago, the left bloc gained its largest vote share ever in a Portuguese election, and the mere possibility that this anti-austerity party might support the social democratic government uh, has created a political crisis that today remains unresolved. Here is my conversation with Katerina. Okay, so Portugal had national elections on the 4th of October. Um, the last elections were in 2011, okay. uh, when the right-wing coalition won with absolute majority on parliament. And that was the moment also, well, just before the elections was the moment when the three bigger parties, so the, this is complicated, but like the right wing, the two right wing parties that formed the coalition that was in government and that is in government at this precise moment, plus the socialist party, which is like the Which is the social democrats, yes. sort of this, yeah. Yes, it's the, so the thing about Portuguese politics that I think maybe it's important to explain is that most of these parties were formed during the revolutionary process. So although the parties of the right are conservative parties, they're called the social democratic. Or, because during the revolutionary process, if you would be called the conservative party, no one would vote for you. You would just be associated immediately with, with the fascism. previous, with the exactly, so the all, all the parties have very like left-wing names. <laughs> so that's why you know, it's the socialist party, actually like the traditional European social democracy. And uh, so just before the election in 2011, the three parties signed a memorandum with the Troika. And then in 2011, the right wing won the elections. Now we had elections again. One month, one and a half months before the elections, our expectations, uh, our, I mean, from people from the left bloc, from the radical left, was that um, the Socialist Party would win the elections mm -hmm. because during the last years, they've been, you know, like they gained a certain like oppositional flair because they, Although they signed the memorandum, they were not in power. So they could say, oh, yes, we would apply austerity, but right. not like this. Uh, we would do it in a lighter way and so on. And so we were expecting the Socialist Party to win and the left bloc to have a bad result. And things started to change a month, more or less, before the elections, once we got into the pre-electoral campaign phase. Um, and I think several things happened which are important to understand the results. One thing was that the right wing did a very, very good, very smart campaign. Mm -hmm. They chose to have like a very non-conflictual campaign. So they didn't want, want to have like serious debates about anything. And their main line was that because we don't have 
the Troika in Portugal anymore. Right. Our memorandum is over. Mm-hmm. And so uh, all their narrative for the campaign was about the worthiness of our sacrifices. Right. So we had four years of austerity. Mm-hmm. It was hard. It was, you know... But it was worth but it. it was and worth now it we're because, going to... Exactly. What actually happened, and this is the interesting thing, because it did not happen in Greece, was that the European Central Bank some months ago made a public... Uh, how is it? Quantitative easing and they're buying, right, they're buying they everyone's buy, bonds exactly, except for Greece. <laughs> exactly. So they bought some of the Portuguese bonds, which managed, which made like the interest rates to, to, to drop. And therefore... Uh, Portugal passed the last evaluation of the Troika, and that's why we did not have to ask for a second bailout. So this was a political move from the European institutions in order to keep the right wing in power. The second thing which explains the results, I think, was a disastrous campaign by the Socialist Party. On the one hand, our economical program is very similar to the one on the right of the right wing because they signed the memorandum the same. Uh, but they tried to gain some oppositional flair, as I said. But when you, you come to actual proposals, they were contradicting themselves. Yeah. They also made a lot of mistakes during the campaign. Their campaign management was very bad. And on the others, on, on the other hand, um, we were able, we, the left, particularly the, the left bloc, we had very good um, public figures. Our mm-hmm. main figures were very well received by the media. Uh, we won all the... Campaign, the sorry, the debates that we mm-hmm. were on TV, and so through this, there was a kind of an opening of a political space where we were able to speak more and bring our ideas more, and mm-hmm. we were very centered our campaign very much on employment, on pensions, uh, migration, and also on the questions for the first time, and I think this is important to say, like we will make no more sacrifices for the euro. Right. Um, so we now have a more a clear. Um, Euro-critical, EU-critical stance that we didn't have before because we were afraid to lose, uh, you know, like because with Greece, what was said was any left party that has a critical stance towards the the EU will lose. This is this is what will happen. But I guess it also sharpens that sort of sharpens the conflict with the right. Is as you're saying, right? If their main slogan is "This was a worthy sacrifice," then if the response, no more sacrifices, really makes this clear as the d- dividing line. So the left block had a good result around, you guys had around 10%. The, the best result ever. So together, the left parties have actually won a majority, a slim majority in the parliament. Yes. But the president recently gave the task of forming a government to the, to right. the right. So what's basically what's happening now? I mean, you know. According to, to the Portuguese constitution, and this is important um, to understand why the president of the republic has to make a decision. A president of the republic cannot dissolve the parliament within mm-hmm. the last six months of his mandate. And we will have presidential elections in January. Uh-huh. So he cannot dissolve the parliament. At the same time, a parliament cannot be dissolved by itself within the first six months of its okay. existence. <laughs> so we're in this moment of this moment where nothing, you know, there, there's no other way. We cannot have uh, snap elections before May or April, um, March or April. Or April. So these people are basically forced to, to sit there together and do yes. something. There has to be some, something has to happen. Like the, uh, so basically there's, th- there's three, I would say three and a half options on the table. So one option was that 
the, which was what happened three days ago, that the President of the Republic would um, invite the right to form a government. Although they have only 38.5%. It is like political tradition and commons in Portugal. It has never happened that a, a party that did not win the elections was invited to form government. Right. So that's kind of like the argument that the President of the Republic is using. That this is the political tradition of uh, Portuguese democracy. The winner is the one that is invited to form government. I will not give the chance to the party that did not win the elections, even if they are presenting a more a solution of a bit more stability for right. a majority. For a majority on parliament. Yeah. Uh, the thing is, the president of the republic belongs to the same party as the right wing. So very clearly, he wants to keep the right wing in power. Um, and um, at the same time, I think so. This is, was one of the scenarios that was possible. This was what he did. The second scenario was that he would invite the Socialist Party to form government, and that's when both the left bloc and the Communist Party said, If this happens, we will allow it on parliament. Mm -hmm. What does this mean? It means that we will vote in favor of it, we have to give like a confidence vote. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, it means very clearly we have to approve the state budget for 2016. So we cannot just vote in favor of a government because a government cannot exist without a state budget. Um, so that's where the negotiations are at. Uh, what we are negotiating is exactly what will come on the state budget. Mm -hmm. So it does not mean <clears throat> that we will enter government, neither for us nor for the Communist Party. What we are negotiating is we will allow this government if the state budget includes a, like an amount of measures, but we will not enter government. It will be still a minority government that will pass its laws on parliament. Right. So no ministries, nothing like that. Just exactly. This, parliamentary is, this support. is what we're negotiating yeah. at the moment. The third um, um, possibility is a caretaker government, which is still possible. And uh, the speech that the President of the Republic gave three days ago was a very, very harsh, harsh uh, speech. As a President of the Republic, he has had almost no clear positions on anything for the last years. And his, his speech three days ago was not his speech of what we had known him for uh, by being a President of the Republic. It seemed like him as a Prime Minister in the 80s. Yeah. It was a very authoritarian, harsh Yeah, I saw I saw short short trans you know short sections of it translated to yeah. English, and it was quite clearly we cannot let these people exactly. into power. This is you know not only irresponsible, but like we, we cannot let allow this to happen. This is something that's going to you know blow up the European project, whatever exactly. all this. And this is a new thing, because until now this happened in Greece also, but we still had not felt it uh, because we had a stable absolute majority on Parliament for the last four years. There's. Um, like a scaremongering campaign starting in Portugal against the left, saying the left is putting in danger our European pro uh, project, that, that we're members of the EU, the Euro, and so on. So what the president said is, I will never allow a government with parties that question all of this. So basically, he was opening the way for a caretaker government. 
And at the same time, okay, so I said there were three and a half possibilities. The half is, which I think is very unlikely at the moment, but I still have to put it on the table. Mm -hmm. um, it is possible that next week, when the right-wing government has to have its confidence, uh, confidence vote on parliament, that a part of the Socialist Party MPs that are from the right wing of the party right. vote in favor right. of the government. It's very unlikely at the moment, but it's still a possibility on the table. Mm -hmm. So that's, this is the three and a half. How did this coalition, potential coalition between the, the Social Democrats, who, you know, who are supposed to be these compromised Social Democrats who went along with austerity, how is it possible that they're now thinking of making a coalition with the Communist Party and the left bloc? So I think basically what is happening is that um, the Socialist Party is being pressured both by the right and by the left in order to, take, to make a decision. Mm -hmm. Either they decide that they're going to go with austerity very clearly and they support a right-wing government, which will be terrible for them, because in, a two, in Portugal there was basically never a, a grand coalition. This, right. we, we, we don't have, like, I don't like this word, but in common the political tradition of it. Mm -hmm. So for the Socialist Party to support the right would mean to lose a lot of people uh, and actually to lose their political space, which is not much anymore. Yes. Um, so the kind the, of final discrediting exactly. of them. Yeah. To support the left will also be very problematic. Like almost everyone, like important figures from the Socialist Party that came out the last two weeks speaking about the political situation, are saying we cannot, we cannot make a, a government with the support of the left. What's making this a possibility? That's, that's the, like, what's pushing the socialist to have this relationship, to have this potential relationship with, with the left? And is that, you know, is that more something internally there? Or is that really the pressure from, from the left or them that just seeing sort of their own death in their eyes? I don't know. Exactly. I think that's the point. So I think what they're afraid is that it happens to them what is happening with the traditional social democracy all around Europe. By saying we will negotiate with the left, we will negotiate a state budget that the left will approve based on some points that we put forward, both us and the Communist Party put forward. I think, this is my opinion, what they're expecting, first they want to govern because they know that if they don't, their political survival is at stake. The second reason is they know that if they force the left to form a government with them and then um, they don't fulfill all the criteria that they said they would with the state budget, they actually are putting the left at risk. Right. So this is why we have to be very careful and very clear on our uh, demands and on our, red, on our red lines because what I think will happen, what is very possible that will happen is we will, even if, okay, even if they are allowed to form a government and we vote in favor of this and we manage to find some sort of negotiation and an agreement and vote in favor of the state budget for 2016, in March, maybe before March, there will be the need to correct the state budget because the deficit will be too high, because there will be some measure coming from the European Union, because... Yada, yada, you know? So, um, so we have to be very clear that if that happens, we will not support it anymore. We will not support this government anymore because if not, the left will be, in the end, 
the responsible for supporting a government that in the end will have to apply austerity. So I think this is what they're trying. This is, I think, the tactic of the Socialist Party. Because they, be, they are between a rock and a hard wall, so between the right and the left, right. because they, are will, they want to survive and they know that if they support the right, they don't have any clear political space left, they're trying to drag the left with them. So right. if they fall, the left falls with them. What in all of this are the kind of lessons that Bloco has learned from Greece how how is it trying to apply these and on and also what's what's the sort of more long-term vision and what's the relationship between this electoral left and the kind of social movement left in Portugal too mm-hmm. um, so for starters the our result was a surprise and it was a surprise because it's not a direct translation of a growing neither of a growing implement social implementation from Bloco, nor by like a moment of strong social resistance or contestation right. on the streets. There's nothing happening in Portugal for the last two and a half years. So that's why we were so surprised. We were not expecting this, this result. Um, and there was nothing in the political scenario that would tell us, oh, this might happen. So this is clear, clearly for me our problem, is that we don't have a strong social implementation like the Communist Party does. So the Communist Party always gets like more or less the same percentage. So actually in this game that is happening right now, the Communist Party is the one that has less to lose. Right. Because they have a very stable membership and, and uh, social basis of support. We don't. Mm-hmm. Um, at the same time, because there's no social movements and uh, union density is by 20% right now, um, the labor movement is also very inactive, Um except for some general strikes that happen like once a year. We don't have like a strong force within society that will force this government to keep its promises, right? So that is a very, that's why we need, that's again why we need to be very careful about what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think one thing that we learned from Greece um, and particularly um, the process of the signing of the third uh, memorandum by the Syriza government was that first there's only so much democracy that European institutions can take. We knew this in theory, but now we know it in reality, right? So when it's clear for everyone, like the mask has dropped, right? Um, so there's an opening of a political space for a more Euro-EU critical left. And I think we were able to capitalize on that. Um, And we did this by saying, okay, so there was a democratic process in Greece that was stopped by the European institutions. At the same time, we can only confront these undemocratic institutions if we are ready to exit. Mm -hmm. So we need to start preparing that. And we, we need to start saying that exiting the euro is not the worst possible scenario, which was what the left was saying for the last years. And this is what a big part of Syriza was saying also, is exiting the euro is the worst thing that can happen. And it's not, because actually it might be bad for the first months, maybe for the first year, but austerity is endless. It will never be over. So trying to uh, win um, this narrative within society is definitely something that we learned from Greece. So we need to start preparing both ourselves and people in general um, that fighting austerity and ending austerity will maybe mean that we will need to 
exit. Exactly how this is done, that's another question. Um, we don't know. That, that's why we don't have an hour for this interview. Yes. Uh, but well, uh, we also don't <laughs> know. Also, yeah. Right? I mean, there's, uh, there's not one Euro exit. There's several. Yeah. There's one Euro exit from the right. There's a nationalistic one. There's a coordinated one. There's an international one. There's, so that will um, be very dependent on the political circumstances. So I think that's one thing that we clearly learned from Greece is that we needed to shift our discourse uh, towards... Um, the EU and the Euro and so on. Um, what our results also show, and also what Greece shows, even if Syriza signed the third memorandum, and what is happening in Spain with Podemos and, and so on, is that the strategy of building broad left parties that try to, at the same time, dispute the social basis of support of, the, of social democracy, of the liberalized social democracy, and at the same time point to, like, let's say, the broad, like, more critical anti-capitalist milieu of people that, are, that don't see themselves in this political system, that don't trust political parties and so on. So trying to point on both of these directions, even if it's hard and we've had some problems doing it, it's still the correct strategy. And I think that's also something that we've been learning in the last years. So it means that we're not only doing the social or the political, we're doing both. So we're running inside and outside of the system, so to say. So this is, I think, what we've been learning in the last years that is the correct strategy. And that without this strategy, it will be hard for any sort of broad left formation uh, to grow and be able to actually dispute power. That was Caterina Principe of Portugal's left bloc talking about the political crisis in her country. Next up, Andreas Karitsis, who until this summer was a member of Syriza's Central Committee and had long been a key figure in the party. He was instrumental in the planning process after 2012 uh, and also previously worked at the Nikos Poulantzas Institute, the research center affiliated with Syriza. Like many, he is now outside the party and searching for a new home to continue the fight against austerity. Andreas, Greece, Greece just held its second elections of... 2015 uh, a few weeks ago and Syriza um, came out on top again but uh, it's a very different Syriza than the one in January um, one that's now committed to implementing a new third memorandum with the European institutions um, can can the left party can this left party implement and work against austerity policies at the same time as they say they're planning to do Personally, I don't think that it is politically viable or socially useful to engage in a process of implementing austerity and at the same time trying to counterbalance the negative effects because, you know, under strict supervision by neoliberal institutions is not easy to, to do it. Uh, an effort like this would require a different methodology and mentality it could be possible only as a way of buying time, so to speak. And if you are inventive and systematic enough and have a strategy of disengagement, then that could work for a, for a short period of time as a way of preparing yourself and your society to take on the duty of a hard conflict with the lender at some point. Uh, but I, I do not think that the government will follow such a path, and that's why I find it politically non-viable, what they, they are trying to do. 
Uh, on the other hand, Syriza, of course, is changing due to the fact that the plan of stopping austerity with traditional means, and by traditional means, I'm, I am referring to you know, the idea of gaining the majority of the at the parliament and then form, forming a government will be enough to do the, um, the job to stop austerity based on the premise that the elites will not refuse a shred of respect to the democratic will of the people. But that plan failed, and in the absence of a serious discussion for a new, complex, and perhaps more difficult strategy, Syria today gradually is slipping towards a political narrative of accepting the neoliberal coordinates of, how should I put it, applied politics, let's say. Mm -hmm. so, so politics at, at the parliamentary electoral level um, and sort of accepting the bounds that that elites place place on this. If you want uh, to have a you know um, a statistical let's say idea of what happened to Syriza after the you know during the elections, I mean, around fifty percent of the mem of the members of the central committee resigned. Around fifty two percent, if I'm not mistaken, thirty three or thirty six percent of the cadres at the, um, let's say, intermediary level, it's the second order organization of local branches, let's say, okay, and uh, around 50, uh, 15 to 20 percent of the membership. So you had a lot of, you know, high level of uh, um, cadres of the party resigning, but, you know, when you go to the local branches, things are different. Because, you know, yeah. people tend to be connected with each other as a group, as a group of friends. Uh, so, yeah, but that doesn't mean that a lot of people who are actually, who, who stayed in Syriza and they, and, they, and they are members today, they are not uh, in a very, you know, they do not feel very well, to put it mildly. They, they okay. cannot see any future, any prospect about the, this government. They, they just hope that something it, it will happen. It's, it, it's, it's, it's a very weird situation right now, even inside Syriza. It's not only the people who left Syriza. Even a lot of people who stayed, they are not, you know, they do not have a coherent strategy or narrative in the, in the head. How resilient are the sort of the on the ground kind of the social movements, the health centers, the food centers, all this stuff? Like, is this going to be the base out of which you think something will be built or is that going to be transformed too? I know there is always a kind of like when I talk to people who are more connected with that, they there still was a kind of distrust of series, I think at least from some of them, the ones I talked to, some of them, even before, you know, before this you summer. Look, uh, yes, the idea is that, the, let's say, the raw materials for something new are the people who are engaged in solidarity networks, co cooperative movement, and things like that already from a lot of years. And the people, the political, let's say, so to speak, personnel from Syriza who are searching for a new strategy. So. My goal, so to speak, is to uh, to connect these two groups of people, these new, these two different tribes, so to speak, of people fighting against austerity, people who are already doing 
things at the field, trying to 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 gain what I am calling um, a certain degree of autonomy about the, about the, their lives and society, and people who were committed in traditional, let's so to speak, politics, but it's they are not willing to do it anymore, but they have capacities and they can form a backbone uh, to connect and help these kind of uh, experiments and paradigms and efforts at the social level to flourish, become more relevant and become more powerful. And perhaps from this combination of, of, of these two, let's say, groups, could a, a, new, a new political organization of a new kind could emerge. That's the idea. Ambitious, yeah, it's ambitious and hard to sort of grasp. But in the given, I mean, in the given situation, yeah, it's like what else can you do? This is. I tend to be optimistic because the, the situation in Greece is not stable. That's that's the, that's the difference. If we are talking about Canada or Denmark, I would be very frustrated and I would be very, you know, pessimistic that I we could come back, let's say. Okay, but it's not the same here. The situation is not stable. People and the, and, and the left people in general are going to be cornered after the Syriza government, when, when the Syriza government uh, falls, because it will happen at some point, even in a few years, but it will happen. So the, 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 the next government will be a very, uh, you know, uh, conservative one. So we do not have the luxury of of uh, not fighting. So since we are fighting, we, we are supposed to continue fighting, we will find other ways, not the, the previous ones. So that's why I'm optimist, because we are, you know, we, we, we are going to adapt ourselves to the new conditions and we are going to be better um, organized, not because we are very committed, but we cannot do the otherwise. Yes. yes. I guess I have, I have you know, two questions. Maybe they're, they're roughly the same thing. One is what this alternative strategy sort of broadly would look like one that's non-electoral in, in this sort of current context where elites are really not willing to budge much and sort of who who can carry it out or what's happened to, you know, this strand of Syriza that maybe once had this idea as well that wasn't as committed to this electoral path. Look, um, the, um, the truth is that we witnessed, we, we had a, a strategic defeat here based on what we knew how to do politics, let's say. Um, now we need to set up processes that uh, they will they, they will focus on empowering people. For example, in terms of advancing social economy and cooperatives, or community control over functions such as infrastructure facilities, energy systems, networks of distributions. I'm referring to several, let's say ways of gaining a certain degree of autonomy uh, and no matter difficult that may sound or strange in the light of the traditional way of doing politics 
It is the only way, according to my understanding, and a lot of people here are discussing about that, the only way to acquire the necessary power to defy the elite's control over our societies by extracting, that's the idea, by extracting the embodied capacities of the people and put into use for the liberation of the society. Who is going to do that? People who are committed to continue fighting against austerity. You have to know that after the referendum, a lot of people personally engaged in that battle uh, for, the for the first time. And uh, a lot of people are gradually understanding that it's not possible to change the basic coordinates of what happened of what, of what is happening in Greece without exploring new ways of um, creative and positive um, mobilization of the people. Okay, so yes, there are people here in Greece, a lot of people, and I'm not talking about, you know, the, 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 the people who were in Syriza uh, the previous um, period of time, but a lot of people. And what we need is to find a way to make it a goal not for people who are committed in fighting against austerity, but find ways to, to engage and make other people as well who are having a lot of problems to participate in this process. It is the only way to liberate ourselves either by staying in Eurozone with a degree of autonomy or leaving Eurozone with a degree of autonomy. It's independently of what one may think as the right decision in terms of the currency issue, one must make sure first that he, that he or she has the power to do, to do what he wants or she wants under the severe pressure of the elite. So even if we do not have, let's say, a proper political or social agent at this period of time, we, we, can, we could say that we know what we should do. Uh, we don't have the, the proper forms. We have to invent new forms of organizing and mobilizing ourselves and the people, uh, new organizational, uh, let's say, forms and types of organization. And that's something that we are trying to figure out these days. How, how is this reconciled sort of with you know, with this crippling power of elites and, 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 you know, this idea that at a political level, it's very hard to do anything and that there's these big, you know, international processes and yet you're trying to fight at the, at the sort of most local level. How, how do you yeah. reconcile this kind of thing? You know, according to my, you know, understanding of our situation, it's not exactly exact that there are, there are not enough space for doing different uh, alternative politics at the political level so much. Uh, what we need is to increase our power, because if we had more power, I'm talking about the people, we could use, let's say, electoral politics and then a government, a left or a progressive government, to initiate the process of liberating our society. Okay, so th there is a point of actually doing politics at that level, but in order to be effective, to, to be meaningful after the Greek experience, we shouldn't do only that. We should go beyond, let's say, electoral politics, not against it. Okay, we need to broaden, to, 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 to have a wider idea of 
what it means to do politics in the new conditions. So, yes, we are entering in a new era in which our societies, and that's what we saw clearly in Greece, uh, in which our societies are deprived of the right to have access to crucial decision. Okay, And I'm not talking about only, you know, the, the Eurozone area and the neoliberal rules, but you, you can look at the TTIP agreement and other similar ones. All these new, let's say, institutional forms or types of regulations, all these are creating a universal problem. But in order to respond universally, you have to start fighting in an efficient way on the local, on the local level. My, my main concern and other people as well is to grasp and put in action new ways of mobilizing people in, in order to gradually reclaim the control over the basic social functions that are to locally, let's say, located in order to be able to push even further this fight uh, at the national level at some point and maybe in the future uh, uh, even broader. But, you know, the, the, the idea is that you need to organize in an efficient way at the local level in order to be able to scale up at some point uh, at an international or European level. That's, that's the idea. Exactly. And, and, and how, how do you implement this idea again on a sort of very practical level? You know, how, how do you get over and concretely in Greece, the sort of the fear um, and the blackmail that to some extent has been proven effective? But on the other hand, as, as you've previously told me, there's people see this sort of breakdown of social services um, and the sort of vacuum forming around them. Yeah, the, 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 yeah, you, you are right. But, you, you know, I think that, that our main problem here in Greece and probably in modern societies in general is not the fear of the people so much, which is true and a fact. The major problem that we are having is that even, uh, even if people are willing uh, to mobilize and fight, are there any efficient organizational and methodological principles to put forward in order to make this mobilization really powerful in order to counterbalance the power of the elites. That's our main problem. Our inherited, let's say, our traditional organizational, political and methodological, let's say, principles are not, are not adequate to what we need to do today. Yes, of course, in Greece, the signs of collapse of the standard economical, let's say, circuit are obvious. Uh, the, growing, the growing exclusion of people from the standard, let's say, economical circuit to find a job, uh, having a bank account, living a, a normal life. A lot of people are excluded and that's something that is it's happening in, in other societies as well, which means that not only Greece, but modern societies in general, in, in a sense, are declining. From what I know from history, societies tend to react in order to survive. Okay, so it is up to us to grasp and start building networks of performing the basic, basic social functions, as I told you before, in a different way, in a democratic way, decentralized way, based on, you know, the, the, the liberation of people's capacities. A, a, a methodology or a strategy like that could allow society to survive first. Then all these people that are excluded could survive in a meaningful way. 
And that secondly, it could this strategy could put forward the transition towards a better and mature society. Okay, trying to save your society, it's identical in trying to make a transition towards mm. a better society. And uh, if we do not do this, because you know there are no empty spaces uh, in history, the nationalist, the fascist, and the militarized way of performing these basic functions may step in and conclude our decline. That's why here in Greece things are very perplexed because you, you were having a left government that implements austerity policy, which creates a very f- fruitful uh, <laughs> environment for the nationalists or the fascists to grow and become the major political and social agent, especially in the poorest neighborhoods of the country. Has that gotten worse recently? Is that, you know, on the, on the electoral level, you can't quite see it. It seems like Golden Dawn is getting, you know, similar results as they were last time. But is there something against sort of happening outside the electoral arena that makes this you know it's something that you cannot anticipate you know because it's a structural thing i mean we are the left is in, the left is in the government who is going to benefit from that i mean it's not easy another left that is not existing right now to be the next let's say the major opponent of this government, it doesn't sound or seem very likely. Uh, and new democracy or the systemic parties, the traditional pro-memorandum parties, cannot they, they cannot make a, a, a turn towards popular uh, um, demands. You know, they have to be supportive to the agreement. So it's an open space over there for the nationalists. And even though the result of the elections doesn't show something like that, that has to do mainly because of the time of the elections. We, are, we had elections uh, before the implementation of the agreement, uh, in a moment where Syriza and the previous government had the, um, the air of tough negotiator, and people are not aware yet of what that agreement could do to their lives. So it would be better to assess how the nationalists or the fascists are going to move the next few years in six months from now. And maybe finally, what are the lessons for the broader European left from from this Greek experience, from this first series of government? And especially, you know, one on a sort of pan-European level where we're seeing these sort of initiatives a little bit from Mélenchon or Varoufakis and things like that. Um, and on the other hand, you know, in places where it's still much more business as usual than, say, Greece, where the breakdown is, all things considered, much more sort of apparent and, and, and real. Yeah. Look, for, for, for me, as I, as I told you uh, earlier, um, the fact that we now know for a fact, with, it's not an assessment, that uh, to engage in traditional ways of doing politics. It's not enough to reverse the austerity strategy of the neoliberals. That means that we have to move beyond elections, as, as I told you, not against, but beyond. We have to combine it, combine 
the, what we used to do with new elements, we have to make different priorities. We have to focus on building inside society and inside the economy our own networks that extract people's capacities and produce real power for us, for the people, for societies, in order to make, as I told you, to make meaningful to be in the government. It's not enough by itself. It doesn't give you the necessary power in order to stop the, the, the major, let's say, coordinates of what is happening. And that's, that's a, a positive lesson of what happened here. If we think differently, we will realize, and that's, that's a message for the left people or the progressive people in every country, that if we think differently, we will realize that, that we, are, we are far more stronger than we think. Our established political uh, imagination, the way we used to see things in terms of the, the idea that the political and social configuration of post-war uh, societies that haven't, haven't changed, it's, it was wrong. Things have been, have, have been changing for years and now the attention is totally different. And if we train ourselves to see things differently, it's not only something that, that it will make us more, let's say, inventive. We will realize that we are, we are stronger than we think. I mean, there are a lot of people with a lot of capacities that are willing willing in the sense of they, they are sensing that there are, you know, deadlocks that we have to solve through mobilizing ourselves and our and people in our society. And these people, you know, it's not easy to, to affiliate themselves with the traditional left. So we will realize that we are far more stronger than we think, which is a, a positive lesson of a failure, so to speak, here. That was Andreas Karitsis, once an important figure in Syriza, now unaffiliated with any party, speaking with me about the new political reality in Greece. That's all for this week. Talk to you again in two weeks.